0: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of MTG Rants. I'm Tane and Grace. I'm very tired, and as always, I'm joined by Ross Marion. Ross, how you doing, buddy? I'm somewhat less tired, so I'm winning. well. I say like very tired. I actually, I think I slept like nine or ten hours last night. It's the first decent night's sleep I've had since I got back from Atlanta.
1: Yeah, you're and still recovering who, from a very long weekend.
0: Yeah, anyone who went to Atlanta can feel my pain. Brent, our editor, definitely feels my pain. Day one was 15 hours for me, like on site. Like obviously, there's there's more. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I was on
1: site for almost 15 hours, so brutal. Yeah, that uh, I'm just watching for Pome, You know, I have some experience with with long Magic weekends, um, and that seemed you know brutal even compared to the things that that I've done. So, I uh, I felt for all of you, both players and coverage alike, and uh, I guess now I understand for both sides.
0: Uh it was on DreamHack Magic's Twitch page. Uh it should be up for a little while. Usually they're up for a few days afterwards, and then for some reason it just gets deleted from the history of Twitch. It's very annoying. But if you want to go watch, uh, I believe it's I think it's round one, uh Brent or editor actually gets a feature match and I had nothing to do with it. Like like walking over, he's like, Oh, it pays to be friends with the coverage people. And I'm like, bruh, I didn't even know. Like I, I <laughs> they, when I heard her name get called, I was like, Oh cool. <laughs> you know? And I won't spoil the match, but it's a sweet one. Uh Brent presents a unique challenge. Uh, in multiple ways for the commentators of this event. And if you've ever seen a deck of his, you'll understand why. Not only does Brick usually play like, I want to say, I don't want to say like off the wall, because like, you know, he plays like Titan in uh in Modern, yeah. right? But like, he never, like, he almost never plays like a straightforward deck. He always plays like something a little more complicated, you know, more de- decision tree, maybe a little off the wall. But like, you know, he plays the Neoform Atraxa deck in Pioneer, not a deck that's like super popular at all. No. And then the versions of the cards he uses. Is also some of the most uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Esoteric. Perfect. Yeah. And I literally uh, I remember like I saw his deck and I ran over to coverage and I talked to like Jeff whoever can like directly talk to the casters and I'm like, hey, make sure they know, uh, you know, uh, Brent's deck. I almost say Jeff again. Brent's deck before the thing. And usually I tell them that when it's like a complicated combo deck or something, you know, something maybe a little different. Like know how it works before it gets on screens. You can you can explain it to the viewers. And I was like, no, 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 not for that. And just like what? I go, you know, he has all the crazy arts on all of his cards. So they're gonna be struggling at times to be like, What is because he played a card during his game and I had no idea what the card was. Literal zero. I was like, I've never seen this card before in my life. I don't know what this is. And then I was like, Oh, it's this card, like the name of it, and I still don't know what it does. So I had to like look it up on my phone <laughs> and stuff. So but I won't ruin any of the rest of the feature match everybody, but that just a unique challenge for people doing commentary. I know you felt that pain before.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, so this weekend, a uh, lot of fun for the trip. Uh, you know, you and I, we have the, what is this, This the the full matrix of the event plus everything. And not just the RC, we've got the LC yeah, fuses and the 5K, 10K uh, results from this weekend. Yeah,
1: the entire DreamHack <laughs> Pioneer weekend, essentially.
0: Yeah, so we could talk a lot about, like, you know, what decks performed well, what decks didn't perform well, you know, what we expected and everything, but... At first, I just want to start with, the uh, you know, the new kid on the block that performed really well this weekend as well was Amelia Combo. And I'm honestly a tiny bit surprised at how well overall it performed on the Matrix, not individually. Because usually when a deck like this comes out that is complicated and has a lot of moving parts, a lot of people pick it up like a day or two before and play it in the tournament, and they are not ready to play this at this level of a tournament yeah.
1: this big. And th- I think that was generally true, especially because... Uh, Amalia was emerging at the same time. Everyone was trying to figure out smuggler's copter because of the yeah. unban. So the fact that those two things were happening at the same time, ev- most people's focus was on smuggler's copter, either playing with it or adjusting their deck to combat it, and that allowed up the Amalia deck to fly a little bit under the radar. It, it it became pretty clear in the week leading up to the tournament. So last week, you know, especially on Twitter, and you know, whenever we started posting their decks the night before. Uh, like everybody on my I don't know about yours, but everybody on my timeline was just I'm playing Amalia. I think who, it's great.
0: Who is not playing Amalia? That's <laughs> yeah. what I Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. It was it was crazy. So um and, and yeah, r- really backed it up. I was pretty skeptical of the deck, to be honest. Um you know, when I think of, of when I think of a creature combo deck that's gonna be really effective in any metagame, the biggest thing for me uh to have is that built in <laughs> aggressive backup plan. How Uh good are you at attacking your opponent to death, you know, while taking advantage of the fact that they have to be scared of your combo? Uh Obviously, you're not going to be as good of an aggressive deck as a a straightforward aggressive deck, you know, something like Boris Heroic or Boris Convoke or, you know, Mono Red or Mono Black, anything like that. But you should be able to win games outside of the combo because your opponent, you know, as opposed to spell-based combo, creature-based combo is a lot easier to interact with not only can they counter your combo pieces discard them but now their creature removal is turned on as a way to disrupt the combo
0: yeah and i actually liked uh you know i watched a decent bit of amali games because of a the coverage and then i was watching Brennan DeCandio play you know longtime friend of ours a long time friend yeah. of the show Brennan Dicandio qualified for the pro tour this week congratulations you know top 32 got very close to top 80 and i i watched him nickel and dime people to death like i watched him just straight combo kill people right your yeah. games were like uh, what's with the cards like Dina or whatever the Dina, the, Dina, yeah, the one that drains them for one. Yeah. Watch it was like Nickel and dive with that and like attacking for one or two or three here and then triggering Life Link or playing a creature, triggering the other one drop to gain one life and then trigger that and the other life total would just dwindle down. And then the deck's good at doing that as like a secondary plan. Plus, like, um, it's kind of like what you're talking about. It, it over it over stresses the opposing deck because like you know what? Watch like the blue white deck play against it or like some of these other decks and they'd have like negate or like disdainful stroke to try to stop you know the the creature searching with court of calling or uh, uh turn the ranks or collect the, or company. Turn the ranks collect the company try to stop that and like you could just nickel dine them with creatures while they have that man up and then like if they do finally like okay well supreme virtue you're like okay well then i'll court in response and i'll go get you know there's like a bunch of different little bullets they had to like stop or neg- uh, mitigate the damage yeah. from a sweeper self
1: a spirit self a savior to save a key card yeah. things like that
0: yeah and then it's like the, what was the three it's the three drop spirit that does it too. it like blinks your team or whatever i think guardian I of faith that yeah, was a common sideboard card yeah i've
1: seen that one a lot and like because that one stops the exile based removal sweepers like farewell
0: yeah yeah and so like that's why you saw hollowed moonlight having a big weekend this weekend and all the blue white decks especially the Yo- i saw a lot of yorian builds because they just had hollow hollowed moonlight main you know that that deck ended up winning the tournament you know um so, I don't know, I was really impressed with the deck overall this weekend. Like, I thought it was going to be good when this many people were picking it, because I had started hearing things. So, like, we had a 1K here in veterans like, a week or two ago, as, like, as practice. And, uh, you know, we have a couple really good players that play in the area, in- including this, this kid named Reed, who, like, usually has... He, I always want to know what deck he's playing, because he's the kind of guy that, like, he just plays the best deck. You know what I mean? Like, if I want to know what deck to play to format locally... Like, if I ever ask a local player, he's the first person I'm talking to. I'm like, what are you playing this weekend? Because it's probably the right choice. And he was just playing a And he's like, and I asked him, I was like, is this deck real or whatever? He's like, dude, I can't, he's like, I can't argue with the results. The numbers on it are insane. Like, here's my, and he like pulls it up on him. Like, I think he pulled up his phone. But he's like, here's my matrix from, from magical. Online." you know, he puts in the time and the effort. And it really showed this weekend that deck had a pure breakout. It was the breakout deck, whether it did well or not, because of how many people played it. But boy, did it back it up this
1: weekend. Yeah, sir, certainly performed well. I'm not as high on it moving forward. I, I think, I think the you know, as I noted, the fact that it, you know more players were focused on smuggler's copter than anything else meant that this metagame was relatively unprepared. And I think you'll see players come more prepared. You know, I think exile-based removal is going to become more popular. You know, being able to cleanly answer both hands of Lunark Veteran, being able to mitigate the damage that. Uh, a Return the Ranks can do when you exile the Amalia that they play early, a- and things like that are going to be helpful. You can even see cards like Grafdigger's Cage, because they have Collect Company, Cord and... Yep,
0: saw a few of those this weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah. A- and, um, and Return the Ranks that that cage stops, so you- then you're not, you know, stuck in that weird spot where you... Uh, have to hold up the counter spells for those key cards. You can just proactively answer them on turn one and then start, you know, just killing all the, the relevant creatures without fear of them coming back. Um I do think that there are some you know there were some slight differences in the Amalia lists that certain players brought that I liked. I know Brennan played Thraben Inspector over Gilded Goose, uh, which so- I like Gilded Gilded Goose is just such a low impact card. And so the Threiband Inspector is that high of an impact card, but it at least attacks a little bit and replaces itself. The the man acceleration for Goose, just not really that relevant. Yeah. So I want to talk about that. We had multiple people that I
0: did interviews with. And I talked about it all weekend long who um, had replaced Collect the Company in their deck with something or had that or had taken out Gilded Goose. Because I'll tell you this at first, I didn't like Collect the Company in the deck. Every time I saw someone cast it, I would just laugh afterwards because they would get like, Gilded Goose and like another one drop or something. I'm just like, you went negative on mana and like this card was not impactful. Yeah, and it took you. It was you know, in your hand. It took you time to
1: ca- cast. Card it. advantage and name only.
0: Yeah, so like, it was not good. Like I was just like, it, when I say laugh, I was just like giggle. I'm like that because like when somebody casts like the company into you, you're usually like holding your breath in the history of magic because like it's always really good. And then they're just like, what's the, what is it? luminarch whatever the one drop that the L- you know L- L- Lunark veteran. Yeah, it'd be like Lunark veteran Gilded Goose. It like. And I would just giggle. I don't like that's no. near. They got food that gained a life. That's that's <laughs> not good enough, Ross. It's it's not good enough. Yeah, would, I, I agree. Would you Would you play a four mana instant that gained you that gained you a, a life, made a food, made a zero two and a one one? I, I wouldn't. I, I just wouldn't play that card. Maybe in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, maybe. Oh, ninety eight. This I'd be like, this is great. You'd be like, what the hell's a food token? But anyway, yeah, what the hell's a food token? <laughs> yeah exactly right so <laughs> what you see him saying is like you know he specifically said he was like look i don't know if three inspectors the correct one you can go back and watch his interview i don't know if three inspector is like the correct card but it also set up some stuff where he's like one of the downsides of the deck is you can combo with it and not win right like you can make a malvia this huge thing and not win immediately on the spot and there's yeah, another aspect of the
1: deck that i'm not a yeah. fan of
0: yeah and he was talking about there's like aspects of the deck where it's this allows him to the fact that he has the clue sitting in play is so. there's some turns where like he can go off and then when he's while he's going off he's he can stack his deck obviously with explore you can explore for yeah. your entire deck and then you can just stop on a certain card that you want and if that card's there you can draw it that turn and keep going with with the clue you know and i saw some other stuff like uh one of the players that did really well had fiend artisan as there yep. which made their deck more for- redundant and, it ga- and it's a big threat. And sometimes yeah, also, that's just a two mana yeah. six six. Yeah, I did a I did an interview with him. I was like how are the fiend has been he's been look, honestly, they've been very, very good. And he goes, People just don't don't they underestimate the card. And he goes, I just won so many games by I'd have a fiend Artisan, it would untap, so I'd have a chance to use it. Or he you know, he would get to untap with it. And he's like, I would just get another fiend Artisan right away. And then the look on their faces they realize they're dead now. Yeah. Like they yeah. cannot break anything up at this it's, point. It's
1: it's it's just new pack rat. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. So, yeah so like at that point it's like well you can't stop me from comboing and then if it goes about combat these are like eight eights
1: yeah you know, we're not because like nope. they, they play really well with explorer ross yeah fiender does look good uh i know elliot raff um who day two but didn't make the the cut con- for the pro tour he had a really rough a... start and then just yeah. rabbit it off like 10 in a row or something but he, uh he played knight erin of yos over collected <laughs> company that one was also popular yep. i thought that was a i thought that was a great change yeah. um You know, we talk about Collected Company being weak in the deck, and that's because of the way the deck is curved. It's all ones and twos, and that's to take advantage of return the ranks. Uh, And the fact that your combo pieces are twos anyway, so you might as well take advantage of such a powerful card. Well, if you're not playing a bunch of three mana creatures, Collected Company gets a lot worse. That's always been the bread and butter of Coco. It's not just getting two creatures for one. you, you, You mentioned this in passing, but it's getting up on mana. Getting a 2-3 drops, or a 3 and a 2, now you're getting 5 or 6 mana of cards for 4.
0: Yeah, like, remember back in the day when it was really good, it would get, like, Reflector Mage plus, like... Yeah, uh, Sylvan Advocate. It's, yeah, literally anything. Like, yeah. the, uh, you know, one of the the 2-drop Werewolf, or, like, sometimes it had... Dustwatch uh, Recruiter. What, what's the uh, what's the spirit that counters a spell? A uh, uh, Spell Queller. Yeah, sometimes it's a Spell Queller, too, so you would do it in response to their yeah, spells. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, I got five to six mana worth of creatures, or like, or get Tireless Tracker, and you're on tap play a land, now you're like way up on stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, when, when your deck is is full of ones and twos, then the Convoke creature gets a lot better, and you're able to, you know, cast that, get key creatures into your hands, so they're not gonna, you know, be immediately wrathed, uh, and you also have, you know, a higher threat density, so that you can actually stress that aggro plan. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see a list that incorporates all three of those if they if it could. And I, I wouldn't, you know, it seems like it should be able to because Night Errant is just taking the place of Coco. You got to find some space for like three Fiend Artisans and then the, the Gilded Gooses get cut. You know, it, it shouldn't be that hard to make room for these cards, standins. So um, uh, that's where I expect the deck to move. And, and maybe that offers enough resilience that even as the metagame adapts to it, it is still a major player. But that's the tension that I see for the deck moving forward. But yeah, a a really impressive, um, you know, very impressive showing for uh, this deck. It did very well, you know, mainly if you look at the the you know matchup matrix, it did very well against the sort of tier two decks and pretty well against tier one. It obliterates Boris Convoke, and that was a deck that I had been high on for several weeks. And when people ask me, like, what should I play? It's what I've been telling them. Then I ended up kind of feeling bad because in the very last week, I saw this Amalia deck emerging, and I knew it was going to be popular. I was like, ooh, the The Convoke deck probably isn't a great choice.
0: Yeah, the stonks (laughs) went way down in the last couple days. because It uh, happened
1: so fast, Ross. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it happened over two weeks, but, like, Know, as soon it as the, felt,
0: but it felt like it happened over, like, four days, honestly.
1: Well, like really that, that's when that we way. started seeing it. But yeah. everybody who, you know, everyone I know who was playing the RC, as soon as the, the Smuggler's Copter announcement happened, like, they were in. You know, they spent right. you know hours that, that day, but they were, it was all happening in the shadows because, of course, they don't want to leak the information for such an important right. tournament. So, yeah, the public's not going to see it a little bit later. But, you know, two weeks of testing, it's, it's what they came out with. But Convoke also got significantly worse because the predator for the Amalia deck is Azorius Control. Yeah. A a deck that, you know, has a bunch of good interaction, exile-based removal, you know, stops the aggro plan incredibly well, and if you're not killing them immediately with the combo plan, it can probably just untap and recover from that. And if they need to win with, you know, decking you with their own Teferi, Mm-hmm. They can do that. So hollow and moonlight randomly can be very good against you at times too. Yeah, that, like... they incorporated some new tools, but the, the structurally the matchup is very good. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was over at, at Elliot's. Uh, you know, the, uh, probably a few days before they left, or maybe it was that week. I, I, it was one day. It was we, we were over there in a group testing and helping him out, and he liked the Amalia deck and wanted to play against control because he knew the matchup wasn't good. Now I'm just watching these games play. I was like. I don't really think there's anything you can do. <laughs> like, yeah. And you know, I looked at, I, I was interested to look at sideboards of these Amalia decks and people okay. started posting their lists. I'm looking at them. I was like, I was hoping to see like something that would help uh. out. And I saw a lot of voice of resurgences. And it, it to me, that, that just seems like a very poor plan because that card already lines up, you know, the removal lockdown. that they already play lines up pretty well against it. Lockdown. Yeah. yeah. Namely temporary lockdown. So yeah. I'm not sure what voice of resurgence was supposed to do. I, I kept trying to find, um, because Get Lost to Disorder's Enchantments, I was like, what you need is a three-mana artifact. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, su- I suggested... Not life not a creature. Yeah, yeah. I suggested life crafters Bestiary. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. They did, they didn't, from the past. They don't listen to me. Yeah. Um uh, Probably Not right a super least. powerful card for Pioneer, but it, sure. may, maybe it's effective. Um, I also think, uh, you know, if you could get something like... Uh, Like a goblin rabble master against them, I think that would be really good, but that's just you know too hard to work into the mana. Um, So the the control that you know control I I think was the other big winner on the weekend. Of course, it won the tournament. Um, You know, also had a very strong win rate. Amalia was at fifty six percent control, fifty seven percent on the weekend. Um, And you know, this is a deck that I have never respected in the history of Pioneer, and maybe I'm going to have to start. So Um, there, yeah, there was a lot of press on
0: that in the last few weeks too that like even before what was happening is like Azorius was kind of I think like if you have like the stonks counter you know the joke about that like you have like the stonks going up or whatever it had kind of started already the Azorius control and then with what's been going on in the last week and what became popular it just skyrocketed and like yeah I watched Azorius control do really well all weekend uh just real quick we're about to come back to that but the other deck that did really well this weekend was Enigmatic Enigmatic Incarnation which had a 58% win rate this weekend which was like technically the highest
1: yeah, it yes, had a lot, but in a much matches. smaller sample. Yeah, so it only had not had nearly impressive.
0: Yeah, we three hundred ninety nine, so four hundred matches from it, while we have twelve hundred matches from Azorius Control and sixteen hundred and fifty matches from from uh, Abzan Amalia, With those being at fifty seven and fifty six percent respectively. So to me, that's insane. Like that that high of a win rate over fifty five percent over that many matches tells you how powerful these decks are and how good well, of a
1: choice they are the the two you know, known qu- major known quantities going into the weekend were is it phoenix and various flavors of Rakdos. we'll, uh-huh. we'll get into the different flavors of raptors that emerged but you know if you look at the data incarnation obliterated both of those decks yeah now you make some sacrifices it is very weak to control you know anytime your deck it is very is, bad you know a bunch of four and five mana sorcery hate sure. cards you're going to be pretty weak against control it basically can't be lotus hill combo in a million years uh-huh. um and it actually, it, it's, I will say it beat up the old versions of Rectos. It actually had a losing record against, uh, oh no, it beat up all the versions of Rectos, sorry. I'm, um, And and it, it it it's the deck that has sort of like the most polarizing matchups in the field. You see, you know, if you look across the data, this is from MTG decks. Like there's a lot of matchups over the weekend where it was up at 70, 80, even 91%. Which, which which deck? Incarnation deck. Okay. And then there are a bunch of matchups where it's below 40%. Uh-huh. And obviously, like these are relatively small samples, there's pretty big variance there. But that's been the book on Incarnation for a while. It, it is uh-huh. the deck that has a lot of very polarizing matchups. Um, and, you know, this weekend, it seemed like people weren't prepared for it. And uh, the Incarnation deck did quite well. Nobody snuck into the top eight with it. Uh, but there were several players that made very deep runs. And that seems like the, the best tier two deck. Uh, to sort of um, compete with... There's four four big dogs, you know. We had Rakdos, Phoenix, and then Control and Amalia. Those are the four decks that had two copies each in the top eight of the RC, which I thought was neat. Uh, And Incarnation was definitely sort of the the best of the rest for the weekend.
0: Yeah, uh, it was an interesting tournament overall. You know what I was really excited about this weekend, though? It seemed like there was a decent bit of... Like, a little bit more variety in the format that we've had in in the past, and, like, it just seems to me like a lot in the past you had like two maybe three decks that when you picked you're like okay i really have a chance to possibly like win from here i think this is like you know what i should be doing this is going to be very good or whatever and then now i really feel like there's like five six seven that you can pick on a given weekend and, and win a tournament pretty easily with those decks if you're like ready your plans are good and your matchups work out which i like i mean i like the way the format's going so far so i'm pretty Pretty happy of what the bands and the unban have done to this format. Um, I know you kind of wanted to. Oh, did you want to comment on that? Sorry. Yeah,
1: I, I think what we've seen here is we only had two weeks after copter, and everyone was so gung ho about finding different copter decks that they, you know, the real breakout was the recently printed Amalia and the deck around that. And I think the metagame we've seen here is going to be relatively inaccurate moving forward. Where you know we've now established that there's four decks at the top you know, the, the four that I mentioned, and go- they have different sort of, you know, relative strengths and weaknesses, especially among that set. That's a really big deal. Like, it, it, the, the one weakness for Amalia, it's not it's not very good against Control. It actually had a losing record against Ractoscopter Copter, and beat Phoenix. If those are the four most popular decks, having two bad matchups, one good matchup, and then, you know, obviously the Mirror is going to be tough for it moving forward. The other three decks are a little bit better positioned against the other, you know, uh, against that set of most popular decks. So that could shift the balance of power. And, you know, without the pressures of mono green on the format, uh, I w- that was another big question for me on the weekend. Like, does mono green still perform? I know, like, Aspiring Spike brought a very innovative new build of it uh, to the tournament, ma- made a re- uh, reasonable run, but you-, you didn't really see a ton other, uh, a ton else. Um, the Bomad also brought it from Roanoke, uh, a more, you know, sort of... Uh, the, the previous version sort of just updated without Karn. Um, but, you know, didn't really make make any waves, wasn't very popular. So, uh, to me, that there's a question of, do we find other Tier 2 decks, like Incarnation, that maybe weren't very popular before, that were on the fringes, so nobody really thought of them, that are going to be better against this newly established metagame where Amalia and Azorius Control have joined Rakdos and is at Phoenix at the top of the heap. So... Uh, I, I, w- I would expect to see significant changes in that Tier 2, where the decks that weren't performing well, like Gruul or Lotusfield Combo or you know Boris Convoke, will fall out and other decks will take their place. That's really the story of the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and also a story about one of those decks that came out this weekend was the variations of Rakdos that we saw. And from watching the matches quite a bit, I'm actually a pretty big fan of the newer forms of Rakdos, like whether you have Copter or not. But for me, it's it's about a different two drop. It's about NT. That was the card for me this weekend that was great. Uh I watched it like kind of overperform all weekend long. It it feels like when Rakdos sacrif- I mean right, I'm sorry, just Rakdos was doing well. And then we had what was the sh- misery shadow? I think was the name of the card. Yeah. Right? We had Misery Shadow add for also like it had another proactive two drop that you could play that was good in matchups. It could kill your opponent quickly. It takes a little stress off of the other two drop in the deck to be there always to put pressure on your opponent but one of my biggest proponents for this card was the card selection that comes along with it so like it increases your clock for obvious reasons right when you're attacking you're putting to on some counters and stuff but getting to like rummage or whatever every turn in this deck is pretty awesome especially game one because you're going to have some like some duds in your deck and then when you're playing this you're playing to say like against amalia which would be like you know, some of the most common matchups in the, in the format, you're going to be playing against Phoenix, Amalia, and Azorius as the most decks, right? Yeah. And against Azorius, you can pitch your cards that are dead game one, like, you know, you, you start pitching your excess removal, but then the opposite becomes true against Abzan Amalia, where, like, you're digging through your deck the entire time, and you're going to try to hit a removal spell every single turn of the game, just so, like, they're always kind of... They never get the, the sure footing, right? Like, you know, you're attacking while also killing the one creature that matters, or it's preemptively keeping them from comboing you the next turn without them doing multiple things to do that. Or it gives you the thing that you can hold up to break up the combo if they go for it on the next turn. Which I think is a real feather in that deck's cap and the fact that like it gets to keep playing aggressively with this card while also getting through its deck as much as possible, finding its sideboard cards, finding its more impactful spells.
1: Yeah, the card selection is certainly a big deal, and you know eventually it turns into card advantage with Inti. Uh-huh. So, the you know one of the advantages of the copter deck is you're getting that increased aggression, but you're not sacrificing really a ton in terms of card advantage, uh, unless your opponent you know interacts with, with you know your key stuff, which they can do. You know, Inti's just a, a grizzly bear, so Reactor's midrange has a little bit more reliable card advantage, but not necessarily more in an abstract sense. Uh, and is a slower version. The the to me, you know that you know getting that trade off without sacrificing the card advantage is important. But really, it's about getting more aggressive. Ractors mid range has often you know been the deck that keeps aggressive decks down because you know mid range decks tend to be very good against aggressive decks. Are able to interact early, not fall too far behind, but they have enough powerful cards in the mid to late game to take over the game. There weren't you know. Aggro had a very poor showing in this tournament. Uh, you know, losing Monogreen, Usually, the aggro decks are very good against mono green. So losing that good matchup was tough for them. Amalia is excellent against aggressive decks. So you sort of replaced a really good matchup with a, a really bad one. So after' mid range in turn lost those matchups. And if you look at the other top decks, Is it Phoenix Azorius Control absent Amalia, they all have a sense of inevitability against a mid range deck. Eventually, the Amalia decks going to combo you. And it's even if you deal with the Amalia later, you don't die immediately. It's going to be difficult to beat them from a hundred life, <laughs> you know. So, you know, the, you know the tweets that you see all the time, like uh,
0: update current stand of m- current uh, current what's what I'm looking for current whatever of modern current state of modern current state of pioneer or whatever. Yeah. I actually did one of those the first time this weekend because someone in the future match like you know went up to 124 or whatever. And we had displays on the future match this weekend, like we had a little iPad that showed the names of the players like their life totals and their game count so people can walk up and like oh this is what's going on in the game you know without asking people and stuff or like you know because i get asked a lot like what game are they?" In? i'm like I-, I don't even know half the time you know yeah and uh so i took a picture of that it was like current state of pioneer people are at 120 something life in the middle of a game you know it's great
1: and then, and then I would watch them lose from that point too, which yeah. is wild. <laughs> so but if you're not able to uh, close the game out relatively quickly, you know, eventually they're going to return the ranks to you to death and collect a company you to death or night Arnavios, uh, you know, find their powerful cards and they're going to grind through all of your removal, no matter how much of it that you draw. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, that one they have inevitability. Obviously, the Phoenix deck will just eventually start cruising you or ca- like returning three to four Phoenixes in a turn. And there's not a ton you can do from there outside of like a well-timed extinction event. And they have, you know, plenty of answers to that. And then, of course, the Azori's Control deck has inevitability. That's just mm-hmm. what Control is. Always the deck with the strongest late game. So the, the Rakdos decks just no longer have inevitability against any of the top decks in the format, really. So they had they naturally had to get more aggressive in order to compete. So it's yeah, not really might... a surprise to me that the Copter versions did better. They're, uh-huh. you know, not a ton better because it's they're largely the same deck. They're They're not that different. But I do think the copter versions with the it and Inti are better than the older versions. And that was borne out this weekend. And, you know, sometimes when I see that those differences in results, I think, oh, maybe that's those variants. I'm not really sure. But here there's a very clear reason why to me. So I expect that to, you know, maintain, uh, you know, that result to maintain moving forward. And, you know, most of the Rakdos players will probably migrate over to playing the version with Inti and mm. Smothers Copter.
0: I think my favorite from this weekend of watching a game, I watched a player, get I think they got up to like 124, some 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 number around there, some yeah. arbitrary number, against Phoenix, and I watched Phoenix beat them down over the span of like three to four turns, because like they stopped the combo, you know, they like, they did something to the creature, I can't remember what it is, uh, they might have like, uh, Brazen Barred it back to their hand or something, so like they have to like start over or whatever, and then they were like, put a crackling drake into play. And the other person, like you know, recovers on their turn. They play a few things, and they're like, "Go." The crackling jack playing. And then they had set up their like, simple trespass, copy it." And their crackling dick was like, eighteen power or something. And yes. they're like, start looting, get my thing back, and they're like attacking. They're like, guys, like how much did you get? it goes? Like thirty two or something like that. And they're like, what? And like, they realize, like, yeah. I'm gonna die. So play I'm gonna another get... one. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get beat down from 124 or whatever. I did not think this was possible, but this is happening and happening fast.
1: It's like the. Know, uh, do you remember the story? I don't even know if it's true. But I was I was always told the story from you know 20 years ago, and, uh, and it was an extended Grand Prix, and uh, there was for those who don't know there there was an a, an infinite life combo deck in extended at the time that was just called life, <laughs> um, and it, it very creative yeah, name yeah it it, uh, it used oh god well um, there was a creature that whenever it got targeted its toughness was pumped. So something, something ill core. Uh, like, well, the or, ill core or, or, were the ones that targeted it. Sure. So the, the, there, was yeah. a, there, there was a cycle uh, of yeah. you know, creatures from bearer or something. I don't that know. Ha- ha- there are the encore that have zero, an activated sure. ability for zero that redirects a damage, the next damage, sure. to another creature you control. Um, so you can just, you know, without even a damage source, you can activate it as many times as you want targeting something else. So you get to target your own creature as much as you want. They used it. Yeah. I can with Cephalid Illusionist as part of the Cephalid Breakfast combo uh, to mill their whole deck. They used to, you know, target. It was like a two mana one three that got plus zero, plus two when it got targeted. And they would just, just anyway. They would just grow yeah, the thing's toughness, yeah. you know, as high as they wanted, and then sacrifice it to something to gain a bunch of life. Uh, Elephant uh, graveyard, I think, was the uh, was a land that did it. There sure. were some other cards that did it. And that that you know, other than that, they were Mirror just like the just white. Well. They were just like a white aggro deck that had this life mm-hmm. combo deck. So it was a very good in aggro mirrors but generally like a pretty weak deck, you know, tier three archetype. Yeah. And the story goes that, uh, the, there was a life player and they were playing its goblins, you know, a good matchup. And they executed the combo. And normally you would just say like, I'll gain 10 billion. And for whatever yeah. reason, this person was like, okay, I'll gain 500 life. You know, a number that they thought yeah. was high enough. And, uh, you know, the goblin player like untapped drew like a way to, you know, disrupt further combos and just set up a board with like four pile drivers and attack them to death from 500. <laughs> and then it's like attacking for like ninety at a clip, <laughs> and it's just comical whoops. Yeah. Whoops.
0: Yeah. So for now, uh five hundred million. Yeah. Like just yeah. add the extra yeah. extra decimal. Good point. Be
1: be, uh, be extra with it. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So uh, speaking of being extra, I thought I'd
1: share a story oh, from this can, weekend. Can, can we ahead, can sorry. we finish up our, our meta game breakdown? So there's one of the, there's one other deck to talk about. Sure, sure. 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 Uh, okay. And I just because this is my rant for the day oh, okay God. okay so I'll, uh i'll i'll go walk away for 10 minutes as go as we know g- going into the into the weekend there were two versions of the phoenix deck there was the traditional is it version and recently as had emerged online there was the demure version or, or what's called the grix's version because they still play a couple steam vents to hard cast phoenixes but it's basically a demure deck and they're playing is it bitter triumph the removal spell yeah So they basically replace Lightning Axe with Bitter Triumph, thinking like, oh, this is just a more versatile removal spell, and I still get to discard my Phoenixes to it, but I don't have to discard if I don't want, and I get to play Thoughtseize. You know, Thoughtseize is perhaps the best card in all of Pioneer, and it's a one-mana sorcery, so presumably it goes well with our Phoenix. You can even target yourself to discard a Phoenix if you want to. And as soon as I saw this deck, I'm telling you immediately, I knew the deck was bad. Immediately and was I had no doubt. I was like, this is worse than is it? There's no question. I don't know why people are playing it. I understand that it did well. People, you know, continue to play it, put up some results online. It is worse than is a Phoenix. And I told anybody that could that wanted to listen to me that that was true. I heard a bu- bunch of excuses from other people. You know, Todd kept trying to talk me out. He's like, no, like it goes well together for this reason and that reason. I was like, fundamentally, it's not a good deck. Thoughtseize and Arc Light Phoenix are not a combo; they are a nombo. I understand it's a one mana instant or sorcery in a deck that likes to play one mana instants and sorceries. But what you have to understand is Arclight Phoenix wants to play a resource rich game; is not interested in trading one for one as you know as much as it can possibly not do that. You know, obviously you need to trade; you need to interact to some degree, and they do play some removal spells, but. The point of Arclight Phoenix decks is to be minimally interactive because you want you know, to turn the churn of your deck with all these cantrips into a huge tempo gain with either you know, cards like Thing in the Ice or, of course, the namesake, Arclight Phoenix. Thoughtseize doesn't play that game. Thoughtseize plays the let's strip everybody of resources <laughs> game. We don't want any any synergies, and my individual cards, once we're done, are going to be better than yours. I, you know, or it's clearing the way for some you know crazy combo, like a, you know a storm deck or something like that. That, that's a niche case. In, if you're playing Thoughtseize as a value card, you're playing it in, you know, mid-range decks uh or as, you know, an anti-control sideboard card. It does not go well in Phoenix. Also, the change from Lightning Axe to Bitter Triumph not a not actually a good change. Bitter Triumph probably a better removal spell than Lightning Axe, but you especially, you know, the Phoenix deck wants to play as many one-mana spells as possible, but especially the discard outlet for our Clay Phoenix. The fact that your dis- main discard outlet is now two mana means that you can't Phoenix on turn three. That was one of the good things about getting another cantrip. You had a higher density of one mana cards, you could get a Phoenix on turn three more reliably um, and have more explosive starts, which is something that these Pioneer versions of Phoenix have lacked relative to the old modern versions. So for the love of God, just I hope that this Demir Phoenix experiment dies this weekend and it's just a flash in the pan for the last two weeks because... It was demonstrated pretty clearly over the course of the weekend that is it is is a superior build, and that was obvious to anyone who understands how that deck and how that card operates.
0: This sounds like something Big it would say. You sound like a... <laughs> I am definitely a shill for Big it. That is yeah.
1: 100% true.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're definitely a shill for Big Izzet, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... it. yeah. I've registered so many Crackling drakes. I, I'm very aware. Yeah. I've been sitting next to you for a lot of it. <laughs> I l- in
1: 2022... I registered Steam Vents in every single tournament I played except for one.
0: Well, that's just smart. Steam Vents yeah. is the best way i never printed. I've
1: registered Steam Vents in literally every tournament I played except yeah. for one where What's, I played humans. I literally
0: blank. What's the fast land? The Blu-ray Fast Land. Bluff Canal. Yeah, Bluff Canal is one of my favorite lands printed ever. Like Yo, I don't know, yeah, Spider-Buff I remember
1: I was small. like, ooh, they gave me Bluff Canal. They shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> shouldn't have I done just, that. <laughs> it does it does everything I wanted to do. Yeah. We made 101.
1: I love it. Blue <laughs> and red like i, I legit thought either? about playing
0: one of my i legit thought about playing one in my legacy deck like at times i was like is this good enough and i was like nah it's probably not so, but i was like we're gonna play a steam vents before we play because it's not an island you know it's yeah, like the yeah. Thing, you know or whatever but there was like that moment where you think about it and then you you find the the very simple reason of no this is infinitely worse than just playing you know a steam vents or whatever because was a term you know i played four uh or i was playing just blue red i played four volcanic islands and i was like i kind of want a fifth you know so like i thought about just playing a steam fence or whatever anyway uh there was a uh, there was a moment this weekend that i wanted to tell you about that i thought was really really funny okay so puppy going on and you know we're trying to fit all of it in we were um and we'll talk about the structure of the tournament with this as well because you know there was a lot of stuff this weekend that people are complaining about and i you know i have more information than most people like why certain things happen the way they did but we almost ran out of time this weekend at the uh, on on site we literally went up to the last seconds they were literally waiting for us they're like you guys need to finish like you, you might have noticed if you're watching there weren't a lot of any interviews in the top eight like there normally are because we actually just did not have time for all of it in fact they were like yeah, if you want to go you can just go but I, like you know i stayed around to help and watch the finals and stuff anyway um another thing that happens is you know the matches aren't always played exactly how we show them on air uh you know sometimes like we're staggering right like one of the quarterfinals was still going on while we were playing the semifinals because we had that part of the bracket set up and we're trying to finish this all in a certain amount of times so or like just go ahead and play we'll figure it out from there another fun thing that we do is uh and i like this one when someone suggested this i was like this is so smart i'm wondering why we didn't think of this in the in the future a lot of the pictures that you see with the trophies is taken before the finals <laughs> because we have a trophy for first and second place and we make them take pictures with the second place trophy before they play the finals because no one wants to take a damn picture of them in second place after they've lost the finals yeah you know i mean like trust me i know No one <laughs> wants to take a damn picture you're not you're not a great man, right so anyway so that's what that's what's happening though the, the blue white player who eventually won the tournament is still playing their semifinal match the other semi match is by far over so uh we get an interview in because we have time um, and we're taking pictures, so they're taking pictures with him with like the first and the second place trophy. And it was on that anyone who watched the, sh- the show this weekend, we had like a little set. I don't know, did you see this where I was doing my interviews this weekend? Yeah, it looked really cool. Yeah, we like went to a Walmart with those on the street and we're like, hey, we need like a sofa, a desk, and like some other shit, and so we can make this layer right. Huge production value out of a small amount of money used for this kind of stuff, right? It was great. So, um, where was I going with this? Oh. So we move some stuff around, people are taking the photos right there because the lights are already set up. So they're taking photos with, you know, the trophies, without the trophies, you know, like all the photos. Because here's the thing. For every one photo you see that gets made of the thing, they take like 40 more, you know, to make sure they get like the right one. They take a bunch from different angles and different lighting, like blah, blah, blah. So the, uh, God, I, for, I forget the guy's name. Do you have the names of the players? It's, it's, it's the person who finished in second place uh, oh. that was playing, is it? I, I literally just blanked on his name. Anyway. He's taking his photos, right? And I am just off camera, and I'm just—you get pictures in your mind. I've seen this a million times. I'm kind of bored. I'm just looking at my phone, right? I'm there, but I'm not there, right? So I'm just like, right. But I'm listening to what's going on. They're telling him what to do, like you know, doing it from different angles. And at one point, they're like, "Yeah, hey, do something fun with the trophy, right? Like have fun with it or whatever." And he's like, "Well, what do I do?" He's like, "I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do with this trophy or whatever." And she, you know, the person taking the photos is like, "Oh, like some people do this, some people do that." and he turns to me and I want, you, I want you I'm want you. i going to try to paint a picture for you here. I'm like looking down at my phone and he, he turns to me and he goes uh, Tannen what would you do? And I go what? And he goes like yeah you've won a bunch of trophies like what did you do in your photos like with your trophy? Like and I just do like the slow look up from my phone to him and I had interviewed this guy already and we had like a really good relationship he was very funny great dude and I'm just like nice dagger man that was actually a really good one you know he's like he's like Ted what would you do with your trophies when you won and he's, uh, he's like no for real like what did you do when you won all those tournaments and you like, he got your, your picture of like the trophies and I just look at him like are you serious <laughs> and he's like yeah and I just go and like I, I'm just flabbergasted know. like I don't know what to say and then you know when someone says something that is so obviously wrong and then they realize it and you see that realization like hit them that happens that moment happens that he like he, he remembers who he's, who he's talking to and he just goes oh god <laughs> and then he, he looks at me and he goes uh I, w- what i meant was like you're number one in everyone's heart so like you have their heart trip and he said something along those lines like it was a really good recovery he delivered yeah. it really well but i'm just dying laughing at this point and so is uh so is our camera guy like and, you know the people who like know the situation about you know like team a and trophy and everything and like he was so distraught and like aghast at himself for inadvertently just Daggering the shit out of me. This was yeah, this is one of the best daggers I've ever gotten because he legit meant it. Like he did, he was it was it was not like he was being sincere. You know, he like in his mind I was a great magic player that had won tournaments and like had trophies and then yeah. he just remembered, Oh wait, this is the guy that like we joke about not <laughs> having a trophy. <laughs> and so I just got got real real good you know and i was like all right well
1: you got got and they got got it's it it was it was a double whammy that's the the fun part
0: it was um honestly it was really great like i i thought it was very very funny um i can appreciate the situation also if it was if it was just like an actual dig like he and i had become friendly enough that like i knew it wasn't uh malicious yeah he was legit it was like if one of my friends had, had done that it would have been less funny than like somebody who like I know a little less because, like, this is the first... You know, everyone gets one kind of thing. And it was just so good. Like, it was it was one of the funniest moments I, I had the
1: entire weekend or, or in a long time, honestly. I just died yeah. laughing. Oh, man. So, uh, as... I know, you, you know, you had a really long day. And, then, you know, we got... They got pushed to the... Uh, they got pushed to sort of the, the brink of the time that they had in the hall. Yeah. I don't know exactly which is weird to me you would think they would just have all of Sunday or at least until relatively late I don't know when y'all I guess, finished I up I guess it
0: has to do with the local labor laws is what it is oh. that, that would be my guess because you know things were getting torn down already like so we were in we had this like it was like less segregated than the last time we were in Atlanta where we were in like our own room but we were off to like the side right and uh, everything's been torn down and if you weren't actively in a match or part of the crew they were like get out so like it was eerily quiet over there. It was like there were like ten or fifteen of us, but it's like the judges, the players, in the in the crew. That's it. Everyone else was hundreds of feet away, and we're all just like standing there by ourselves. It's like they had to finish it because day one. Good God, I mean we had thirteen hundred players playing this tournament, so it was ten. It was nine rounds cut. Played the tenth round. Yeah. Day one. So it was fifteen hours because yeah, you know, there's delays and there's, well, it was fifteen hours for me. It was probably a little less for some of the players. But there's you know delays here. Some are out to about, like twenty minutes over for for various reasons. They were slightly understaffed this weekend as well, which is another thing. And there's definitely improvements that can be made. But like yeah. you know, blanketly We've been seeing, saying that for like, a year though, we, yeah, blanketly saying. But it has to do, I think, with being with DreamHack and all this other stuff. Yeah. I mean, like they're doing what they can with the limitations that they have. I think their tournaments will run really, really well for all things being considered. Because the thing is, is like, they can't just like it's kind of like. We're not going to go super deep into this, but it's kind of like the discourse from the last few days on Twitter as well about the vendors. The thing that's been going on on Twitter where, and I'm not saying certain people are right or wrong here, by the way. This is all from my own personal perspective. But they're talking about like the vendor quote unquote problem at events like this, whatever. And it's usually a lot of the loudest people that you see on on Twitter as well. By this, and I don't mean loud in a negative way. It's just like the people you see the most, to get the most retweets, to get the most interaction and stuff. And they have these like, they just blanketly say something right and they blankly and like i'm like i don't think you've considered all the angles i definitely know you don't have all the information and you've obviously never done this from that perspective like you've never run a tournament or you've never run a booth at an event you've never been the one that has to do with the money right that has to buy cuz like do you know how much it, it 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 reminds me of when people had really uh Really big opinions on running coverage. When the coverage started coming back, they're like, yeah, why don't they just run coverage? How much could it cost? $7? You know, they'd be like, you know, they'd be like, I remember us asking, how much do you think it costs to run coverage for a weekend? Someone's like, I don't know, 10K. And I'm like, that'll get you the internet. That's that's it. That'll like pay for the internet. And they're like, what? And I'm like, do you know how much I cost them personally? I'm like 5K a weekend. Now, all that goes into my pocket, but like, you know, when it's all said and done about like my hotel, you know, my flight, my day rate, all the other stuff that goes involved in that, you know, they have to like pay for my badge, things like that and stuff. And I'm like, it's so expensive, but there's so many things you don't know. Like a booth. Do you know how much a booth cost? like we going to like, this is, I this think is, this is saying, like six to eight K Something like that. It's it'll cost them about 20 grand when it's all said and done.
1: Well, yeah, there's obviously like, you know, just the booth yeah. itself, you know, paying the, the, yes. the vendor. Our paying the TO is something, yeah, in the five to 10K range, then it's, yeah, they've got to transport all their stuff. They got to pay staff. Yeah. And
0: In my favorite part, my favorite take that people have, and again, I'm not saying they're wrong or anything. It's just like, you, you need more of the information is like, well, if they can't bring cards for players, they just shouldn't have a booth. Here's the funny part. You get rid of those booths. We don't have this event. Where do you think most of the money comes from? Badges in the booth space. That's literally like the most profit they get. Running a tournament. Is usually negative EV since we're using the EV thing that they talk about for for the companies. Like SEG did not make money on the tournaments that they ran. They made money on the secondary market and the other stuff that was going on and selling space. And
1: yeah. stuff like that. Like once you once Wh- you which, which in... the vendors of these tournaments do as well. They're buying up yep. a bunch of cards and then yep. selling them later. You know, yeah. It's. It, I think the the churn of that is less than it used to be, and and you know For certain sure. way less. Certain vendors are more successful in doing that. They have more established online presences, so they have more throughput than than other businesses. And you've got to incorporate that into your business model. There's a ton of different variables, and yeah.
0: And that's me. That's me trying to be. I'm trying to be as cordial as possible about this. I'm trying not to be like, yeah, you're wrong, you're stupid, whatever. Like it's you. Just, and not everyone has all the information, and even I don't. And, and and I know more than most people because of the fact that I'm around it more and I see it get you know pulled up we we know the actual numbers and it's so difficult. and then about bringing the cards, they have a limited amount of space that they can bring stuff with, right? And do you know which money they would make on selling a three dollar card? it's not worth physically bringing in the card like it it doesn't do anything for them it co- it literally costs them money and opportunity cost to bring these things and wait and stuff like that. so it's like difficult for these people to have this kind of stuff because people make this blanket statement. They're like, I would just do this. And I'm like, well, have you considered the 15 ramifications that happened because of that decision? Yeah. There's, there's a lot more to it is all I'm saying. I'm not saying anyone's right. Anyone's wrong. There's just way more to it than, than we know.
1: You know, I'm always going to sympathize with the player side in this. I, 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 that's my, uh, that's my perspective. And (laughs) there is, um, you know, there is an issue where like, you know, ostensibly like these vendors are there in part because there's this big tournament going on. And it is weird that like we are it the cards that are necessary for the tournament are not there. Go and ahead. especially, you know, this one had extenuating circumstances where there was a major shift in the metagame two weeks before the event. And uh, you know, I know uh, I think it was Aaron Forsyth who came out on, on Twitter and said that, you know, that we understand and we're going to try to avoid doing that in the future. Because you know it's really difficult to get car- you know, get cards two weeks before an event. You know, you made difficult to get cards at all. Yeah, right like now. at yeah. best you you spend what like three or four days testing. You could lock into a deck. You lock into like a hundred maybe cards that you're gonna you know you're gonna play. You're not sh- you're gonna narrow it down from there. You need like twenty or thirty more. You order all of them. You hope to get it to you in a week, uh, which you know is not all. guaranteed, yeah. especially in the month of December <laughs> when all shipping is backed up. So. You know, it's it was just a, a very difficult situation for everyone uh involved. And you know, I don't know exactly what the solution is. Obviously the, like obviously there is a an impasse here between providing the services that people want and profit. And guess what? That this same contradiction occurs in a lot of other places in the world. So and profit th- usually wins. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. And I just want
0: to make two comments on what you said because it's really good what you said. I think it's very important. And I agree with you. That's the other thing too. Is like I see both sides and I agree with both sides. I'm not trying to take a side. Yeah. This is uh even though I hate devil's advocate, this is a little devil's advocate because more of the information needs to be known. First, yeah, probably in the past, like 10, 15, 20 years ago, when this stuff started started happening, you know, vendors started showing up at events and stuff they were there to provide cards for the event that is not a thing anymore that is not why vendors are there they are not there to provide you with the card that you need for your deck that is like lose that train of thought that is not a thing that is not why they pick the ones they do they literally ask who wants to do this it costs this or they ask for bids the people who think they can make money by being there do the bids pay the amount and go In no way, the first thought in their mind, second thought, third thought, fourth thought, fifth thought is, I want to make sure I bring bitter triumphs for the players this weekend. If it's something they can do, easily, they might. You know what they want to do? They want to bring their cards that have the biggest amount of value per card sold and move those. They want to bring the commander cards, the EDH cards, the foils and stuff. They want to sell $50, $100, $500 cards. Because every time they sell one of those,
1: they're making, you know, a hundred bucks. Yeah. This is a, this is a trade show for them. And yeah, you know, to me, I I was a little surprised initially when I, you know, when, uh, you know, when people were chiming in from the vendor side and talking about having to like fly a bunch of people there. And I'm just like, are like vendors flying in for these? Because you know, my memory is always, you know, if we're even at like a grant or even at a big tournament, it was the stores from the area that were there you know That's not not, not, not the brinky dink you know yeah. c- you know local stores they but afford it anymore. the major stores yeah, yeah they've gotten pushed out and it's those yep. stores that were able to efficiently bring commons and stuff because they're they are yeah, just drive up
0: yeah they could just drive
1: up they can, can just pack the, trunk the same
0: and and you're you're drive the same up ten, 10 vendors seven of the same 10 vendors at every event Yeah. Like they can do this so what
1: what we've seen yeah. is we've seen those those vendors get pushed out of this market and okay. uh, you know capital always concentrates at the top and we've yep. seen that capital be concentrated among these major vendors that are now yeah. flying to these events. That's our problem. Our problem is yeah. that the local, you know, the, the somewhat, st- the the bigger local stores, I should say, are the ones that were able to provide the service and they've gotten squeezed Great out. Point. How can we bring those Great people point. back into this ecosystem?
0: Yeah, you need at least one, right? And that doesn't always exist. Here's another point too on what we were just talking about. Uh, this is another perspective from the the vendor themselves from the people bringing the cards and stuff the amount of stuff they sell per weekend is not how they gauge success it's it's obviously an okay thing they're like oh we you know we brought in 50k this weekend in cash right Blah blah. blah. you know what every vendor will, will make their weekend considered a success if they spend every fucking dollar they bring with themselves they want to buy the most amount of magic cards they possibly can because that is how they make money that is the biggest success rate for a vendor. They want to buy and bring in the most amount of stuff because every single thing, every dollar that they spend, they are making about 20 to 30 to 40% profit on that dollar. For every dollar they make, they aren't necessarily making that much profit because the prices fluctuate so much. But a lot of the stuff they're, they're bringing in, if they can move it as quickly as possible, then well, it's a lot easier the, for them.
1: That is that is the rub. I, know, I saw vendors talking about how that line isn't as true as it used to be, and it's because the market for singles has been so volatile recently. You know, they could they could have bought a million quintoriuses at an event three weeks ago, and now you they know they're, they're losing money on all of them if they can sell them at all. Uh, yeah. and, and you know things change with you know with more aggressive bands and mm-hmm. there's so much product being shifted being able to change metagames that, that you know there isn't as much um, you, you can't buy as much because because you need to be assured that you're going to sell it quickly in mm-hmm. order to guarantee that you're going to make the profit that you're estimating you're going to make based on what you're gonna buy it at, and what you think you can sell it for—like all of that—might not be true two weeks from now. So you better yeah. sell it in those two weeks.
0: Also, the amount that you're gonna get back for your card is lower now. It used to be in the past you get anywhere from fifty to seventy percent of your card. Twenty to fifty percent is gonna be much more norm in the future because of exactly what you're saying. The other yeah. comment I wanted to make—you're make you're lucky on... to get
1: fifty percent when you're selling. Yeah, that, yeah, that the big fifty percent sort yes. of used to be the norm, and it, if it was a hot card, you'd get more. And now yeah. I think if it's a hot card, you'll get fifty.
0: Yeah, and there's exceptions. Obviously, like, reserved list stuff, you're going to get more, like, things that aren't going to get reprinted, you'll get more, et cetera. Um, The other comment I was going to make was about the Aaron Forsyth uh, comment about, you know, we're going to be better about this in the future. You know, if I want, I could actually go find the comment. But I wanted to respond to that because uh, one of the responses to it that got a lot of traction was somebody saying, like, uh, I don't know if I like this response because, like, I don't want this to become a format again that you leave alone. It's like, I'm paraphrasing what they said. You know, they're like, I don't think the answer to fixing pioneer is to be less active with the ban list. In fact, he should be maybe like more aggressive because they were like, we've known for at least a year that Karn should have been banned. Like that kind of thing. And I saw that I saw that response and a bunch of people like liking it and retweeting it and replying with I'm like, that's not actually what Aaron said. You're misinterpreting what he said. What he was saying was it was unfortunate the timing that this ban happened with the with this specific RC because it just happened to happen two weeks beforehand. They're not saying they're not going to ban stuff in the future or be wary of banning stuff. They're going to be better off giving you more time. Yeah. is the thing about in the future, which is what we want. So like, that's actually a very good answer from him. And I thought it was awesome that he came. He didn't even have to say that, but he publicly said that for people. I thought it was, I know I'm sounding like I'm shilling for wizard right now, but this was a, he didn't have to do this. This was a great response for him. And it's something that should have been commended in our, our community. But instead people were just like shitting on it a lot. I'm like, you just misread what he was saying like you you didn't he's telling you what you want to hear and you're hearing something else Yeah, you, just, you want to be angry at this point Re- like, reading I don't, I don't comprehension is not a uh, not see, a common well skill these that. days yeah I did well on that on my ACT and so apparently I'm, I'm good at that but I'm like but I can understand it's it's Twitter it's you know four sentences you know whatever that someone typed up I don't know how, how much I'm, I'm assuming when when someone who's that big and that important in the game has to say a very declarative statement you know something that's going to be probably cool you know you know when you're that person when one of your tweets is going to get retweeted a hundred times you know that like this tweet's going to be a, a banger or whatever as the kids yeah. say that, like everyone's going to interact with it you, you probably proofread it and make sure that your point's trying to get across and then even then you can't be perfect about it right because you're limited in the characters that you can have and again it's twitter and people hear what they want to hear read what they want to read and they just want to be angry and i'm not saying that's exactly what happened but i'm saying some of the responses to it i think were quick gutshot responses and while well, it, sh- it should have been something that's like oh this is cool we won't run into the like let's let's not disparage their- gutshot
1: here Tan. yes okay sorry <laughs> that's great gutshot well, is a perfectly fine magic card yeah this is a like, gut- the- pro gutshot street or yeah, podcast the point i'm just tra- I'm very
0: much a pro gutshot uh, podcast the point i'm just trying to make is there was a problem this weekend there was multiple problems this weekend yeah and they were saying we are aware of them we are going to address some of these in the future. And they directly said, you know, what they're going to do to address one of them. Yeah, I thought and it was very clear still in what had he a said. Problem. Yeah, people still had a problem with it. I'm just like, yeah. this is what you wanted. This is great. There is. And they've been very good about it. Like, I'm telling this right now. There is a person at Watsy who reads all of these tweets. And when something's important like this, it gets brought to the attention of people in power. I yeah. know this for a fact that <laughs> this happens. Because but... I know who these people are. I'm not going to, like, say names, obviously, but, like... This stuff matters. So us having these conversations is good, but like, they need to be constructive and respectful yeah. at the same time. Because How... if you're just yelling and cursing and saying this is stupid or
1: this is awful, you're not going to get hurt and you're not going to get listened to. True. Now, the, there is some tension here. Because of course. Because there is often a, a desire to make some uh, changes to a metagame, especially a stale one like Pioneer has been, in the lead-up to a major event. So that event can be a showcase for the new meta sure. game it's what they did with modern pro tours for years there's always a band before big modern pro tour
0: and i liked that by yeah. the way
1: and yeah i think that's enjoyable for players and for viewers for a, an event that's going to have you know uh coverage being a major component of it so the, you know it's good to have those shakeups, but now we have to you know now we have to balance the desire to have a fresh format for a big tournament with the desire to make it, you know, relatively, you know, simple or, or straightforward to acquire the cards you need for your, you know, your decks. Nice. And it used to be more straightforward because vendors came, you know, prepared with with a bunch of the cards that players needed. Nowadays, as we've discussed, they're not doing that as often, so there's more of a pressure on you know, keeping, uh, you're giving players enough leeway. So like I could see a band like this, you know, you know like the, the smugglers copter on band and, and the bands that happen. Um, you know, if that happened four weeks before the event, a lot easier for players to test and get cards, you know, also how
0: often is this going to happen? We're gonna have a, a band like this, this impact.
1: I mean, I, I could see one happening literally like before every RC, maybe you, not, well, both, not, but this like a, a ban. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, like they, ban- they banned an entire deck, right? Then they banned another entire deck pretty much in like a card that really affected the format. So certain things got better. And then they unbanned
1: a card that's been banned for four years, Ross. Like yeah. that is a lot to deal with in a small amount of time. Uh I agree. So uh, like I, I I would say like something like the Karn ban could happen before every RC. The, the rest is more uh unique to this situation, but I could literally see that happening three you know, three times a year. Not every year, but I, I could see that you know that happening. Um, especially because Watsi has, you know, come out and said they're going to be more aggressive with bans and unbans for Pioneer in the future.
0: One one thing on that too, that I think is very important to notice that they said they're going to be more aggressive and like more like heavy handed, however you want to put it in the format. But remember, this is also coming from them leaving it alone for over a year. And they, they admitted they're like, we probably left this alone for too much. So like. Any aggression towards it is more. Yeah, I mean, like, sure. So yeah. It, it doesn't tell you somehow. exactly how
1: much it just yeah. tells you there's going yeah. to be more than zero. Is that like, we are going from 10% to 50. We're going from zero to something. Yes. Right. You know, uh-huh. like, so, know. uh, you know, I think this, this could become a, a regular thing. We're about, you know, a month before the RC, mm. you know, a ban, a ban announcement comes out and we shake things up a little bit and then mm. players are giving, you know, at that point you have about, you know, a week or two to d- do some more testing figure out what you want to be doing and then another two weeks to locate the cards that you need and that should generally be enough you know especially uh I, maybe i'm speaking from a, a somewhat biased position here I, you know uh i know we're if, very you and i are very privileged when we yeah, have this, from and, this position, and by especially way. where like i live in this i live two miles from star city games uh, yeah
0: and then either one of us could literally tweet hey i need these 17 cards and we'd have like Twenty people tweet back at us or DM us, "Hey, I've got you." Yeah, you know, like we're very privileged.
1: I I also often will pick up cards from SCG for other people if they if they don't have enough time to have them shipped to them. And I'm going to that event and be like, "Oh, can I just like you know." Can, can you buy these cards for me? And then, I'll, you know, I'll pay you back for them. And I just do it, that's,
0: that. That's a thing that happened weekly when we were doing our team events. It'd always be like, it's mostly be like, Brennan, what do you need? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, he's like standard. And then he'd have a list. And then y'all would ask if I have it.
1: And yeah. then half the time I would. And I, half the time I wouldn't. I located cards for Brennan for the RC <laughs> from people not, that were going. <laughs> not, not, <Yeah>. not surprised. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like, I, not only do I have SCG here. I have, you know, half a dozen people with significant collections that I can borrow cards from. Uh, so I generally am, am okay I know f- for the last RC I needed um, uh, the last RC in Atlanta I, I needed um, the Brotherhood's ends, which had just been printed at the time yeah that was hard to find yeah, yeah. SCG didn't have any in stock nobody in-, in Roanoke had them and I was like oh it's a brand new card like it's a desirable card I'm sure They'll some vendors will have yeah. them and like nope. one, one out of six had some <laughs> like, I literally had to go to every single one and the last one Finally had someone else like, oh, thank God.
0: I expect to pay a premium on that too, by the way. I expect to pay 100% of the card or more, and I'm happy to do so. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I I, I can't remember what I paid. It
1: honestly wasn't much. It was less than I was expecting to pay, so. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, you know, there's there's a fine line between, like, appropriate markup given the situation and, you know, gouging. You know, if you're trying to charge, you know, three, four, five bucks for certain uncommons that are, you know, hot selling that day, that's somewhat reasonable. If you're trying to charge, you know, ten or more because you know you can extort them for it, that's kind of crappy.
0: I mean, we we have history of that in this game. I remember there was a Grand Prix where naturalizes were like twenty bucks. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not joking. They were just a build like it had just been printed. Uh I think we, like slide became a huge deck, and people were like, I need naturalized. People were literally buying boxes of the set to like try to open the common and stuff. And like it was it was nuts. You know, something like that happens like uh what was it like when dredge first came out I don't, I don't think rest in peace was a card there was some other card no later on, the void was printed
1: shortly after dredge became a was, thing
0: okay there was a white card that I think it had the same name as a set there morning, like morning that, tide that, that's what it was there was a white card in morning tide that yeah everybody it's from getting, torment like, one in a white sorcery from, exile
1: all cards from graveyard he went from
0: like five cents to like twenty dollars like overnight and I remember I went through with my bulk and found some and I was just like who needs these like I'll give them to you for like ten bucks or whatever you know, like fifty percent off whatever just somebody take them you know kind of thing and <clears throat> I've thought about this. I don't think they'd appreciate it, but I'm gonna start when I go to these events, I'm just gonna bring a box with me, because I don't have to bring cards, which is a weird thing, by the way, traveling to magic events of zero cards. Yeah. Right? I'm just gonna bring a box with like whatever the format is, everything I own of that format. And I'm gonna tweet I'm just gonna put out a tweet, like a pin tweet to be like, find me if you need something, but like I kinda can't do that. Like I can't sell. You know what I mean? Like I shouldn't be doing that or whatever, but like if somebody needs help, you know, kind of thing. Like, we'll figure it out because I could bring some stuff. I used to have a ridiculous collection. I don't as much anymore. I sold a large portion of it. But and I do want to say something about everything that we said here. Like, I've already established the fact that, like, you and I have a lot more privilege than the average player when it comes to things like this. And I'm sure some people were probably pretty, maybe not surprised, but, like, how aggressive I was with my stances on some of this other stuff. And it's mostly because of how much has been going on on Twitter over the last few days in this conversation. You know, I've woken up to just literal threads on Twitter about this. And people are getting aggravated and you're seeing both sides and both sides are very loud it sounds like i'm siding of one side more than the other one and maybe i kind of am in a tiny way but i want you to know that i'm a lot like ross like i'm gonna side with the players more often than anything else it's just i want everyone to know all the information before they start yelling about things because i i do this too like we can get really opinionated about things and say blanket statements about it. Like it just should be easy. We should just do this. And then I'm like, well, here's why it's not easy, Like you, you don't have this part of the information and that's fine. Like, you know, ignorance is okay. Like if you don't have the information about something like your opinion, can't be correctly formulated and it might not change your opinion, but at least it's more, you know, involved, at least it's more of an educated opinion and that's fine and I feel for everyone at home. I do believe there should be vendors on site that have cards for you for the tournament. Because there's people that fly into these events that these are the biggest events of the year they get to play for, and they live in South Dakota or rural Colorado or Iowa. Or, you know, somewhere where like they won the one RC that's in their area in the state or whatever, right? And they're excited about playing here and they they can't get they can't reliably get cards on time. Or something they're like, it's cool, I'll get them on site. And then You know, they might not know as many people. That's another thing that I'll offer. If you were ever on site and I am there, I'm there doing coverage or whatever. If you're ever on site and you need a card and you can't find it and you don't know people, or you don't have the reach that I do or something like that, come find me, talk to me about it. I will do everything within my power to help you out. Even if it's just tweeting out, Hey, I'm looking for two copies of this random card, right? And I will do everything in my way. In fact. I got multiple people cards this weekend that exact way, and it took me less than like 30 seconds of my time. I just made the thing, five minutes later, I checked my phone, somebody had messaged me, hey, I have those things, I'm like, meet me at the coverage area, and then I'll have the person here, and they just exchanged cards. And it was awesome, and it was super easy. So if you need help in the future, I'm there for you, use me as a resource, please. Think
1: that's enough this week, Ross? Um. You know, it's certainly been enough discourse for me. Oh, I'm tired. Like, I, I got tired of doing all this. Yeah. And uh, did I come off as angry during this? Like, honestly. No, not Passionate? not any angrier than anyone else has been.
0: It's Passionate, al- maybe?
1: It, yeah, it's just a frustrating experience. Yes, like, it is. Yeah. We, it's clear that, you know, both sides are not getting everything that they want and things, you know, we're adapting to yeah. different conditions. I don't think anybody is like completely ignorant that things are different than they were ten or fifteen years ago, and there are economic pressures that have created that those differences. Um, you know, a lot of it is just lamenting them, and mm-hmm. so Agreed. you know we need to give some people space to you know vent, even if they're d- doing it publicly. Maybe they're not doing it in the most constructive or helpful way, but you know, I always you know I always have to think about that aspect when I'm looking at things people are are saying on the website. You know it's often just in a in a venting space they just kind of want to you know air it out to the world um and uh, you know they're not you know it's it's not meant to be the most cogent and well thought out of of uh-huh. arguments they're just saying being like i really wish this were a thing <laughs> and uh you know so do i it's it's all you know and we were spoiled for many years with scg scg had a you know a separate show stock that wasn't on the website that they just kept separate and they were able to do that because they were a really big operation and uh, you know they were driving to all of these events rather than you know uh shipping it uh and you know through air and uh, you know they you know, you know had this incredibly well stocked booth so you could show up yeah to a tournament and, they knew they were... and be very confident that they had the cards that you needed
0: and also that it, that's another thing too is like they knew they were going to move cards of that type yeah. because they were they were running their own series so like they got to do one of the greatest things ever if you're some form of sales company they got to create their own demand like there in the history of mankind there's almost never been a company that supplies a product that also gets to create the demand for the product they're selling yeah and Star City games got to do that it's literally like the ideal business uh a proposition. Like, that's insane that you get to do that. And so they're like, look, we're going to be running 16 standard opens this year. We can stock up on standard cards. Well, other companies can't do that.
1: You know, the fact that they're able to keep that show stock as separate and not put it on their website, you know, because they don't need to sell all those cards immediately. Uh, they could keep it stocked and make sure that they have everything for shows and provide that level of customer service is only a function of the fact that they knew they were running 30, 40, 50 shows that year. And so that, the you know, uh, the vendors right. that are going to these events, like how many events a year are they going to 10? Like, yeah, that, that might be, that might be a
0: lot. Yeah. Five might be a number. Exactly. Yeah. So, so
1: it, it's a lot harder. And like, you're, mm-hmm. you don't have the same throughput that SCG does the same turnover of cards that they do because you know, they're one of the biggest retailers in the world and they, they were the biggest retailer in the world for a long time. They're not anymore, you know? Yeah. So they're just, um, you know, the, the, you know these other vendors that are going to events like they have to take every everything they have, and they need to basically try to sell it anywhere they can just to maximize their ability to turn cards over and, and yep. generate profits. So, yeah, that's a it's exactly. obviously a very complicated situation. That, but, but you know there's there's needs that are being un, that aren't being met. And, agreed, one hundred percent agreed. And you know the the tournament scene. A lot of it has to do with the fact that we used to have these things and now we don't. You know, it's yeah. always easier to to give to start low and, and get better, but Tournament Magic sort of reached its its zenith in the mid-2010s. You know, we had a robust uh, third-party system. That was the golden age. We had yeah. these big, you know, Grand Prixs. We had Paper Pro Tours. Vendors had all the cards that you needed.
0: You could have played every weekend if you wanted to. You could have traveled to something every weekend. Oh, that,
1: in 2015, I think I played 46 weekends out of fifty-two. That there were I don't know if I've played forty-six weekends in my life. Yeah. There was there would never be anything on the exact pre-release weekends. SCG started sure. doing that doing it. Uh no, no, they were doing release weekend. But so there would never be tournaments on the four pre-release weekends. Um, so I mm-hmm. took those off and I think there were two others that entire year where I did not at least play like a local tournament somewhere. I was playing every single week. And I played yeah. that was the year that I was, you know, top 15 in the world in planeswalker points. And I played multiple pro tours and like you know a dozen grand prix, but also was one of the highest you know point getters on the open series and, uh, or the SCG tour and queued for the players championship. Like I was doing both and it required a, and a ridiculous amount of traveling and a uh, ridiculous volume of tournaments. Uh-huh. So yeah, that, that is no, no longer possible. Not that I would do it again if it were. <laughs> we're a little too old for that. shit. <laughs> yes. Trying. Yeah yeah that was that was exactly. easier to do
0: at, at, at 26 I, I miss competing sometimes Ross like this weekend I got a little bit of it watching Bert. like you know what I mean like I, I would watch Brennan play like a lot of his rounds right yeah I'd just go over because A he was very easy to find with the hair from this weekend <laughs> he's with, glowing he, he was doing yeah he was doing well so he's up towards the top of the tables and I would just kind of walk over there and I'd watch and like that what the word I'm looking for like that feeling kind of came back from like the team events you know like, like watching him play and being sitting next to him and stuff and I was like Man, I kind of miss this, but I'm not gonna lie. When that uh, when that check clears and hits the bank account, it's gonna feel good, Ross. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I, I like just getting paid for every one of the events and going to them. But yeah, G- getting um, paid every time is very nice. It doesn't feel yes. as good as getting paid for winning the tournament. Oh yeah, but that That's only happens best. like 20 percent of the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, for you. No, anyway, I, <laughs> yeah.
1: for doing for doing their... well in the yeah. tournament.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening to a very ranty episode of MTG Rants. I think the next one, if we if we get one out next week, I'm we're gonna try. Ross is traveling. Uh, the holidays are up. You know we have it. You know how it is. But for the next like two or three weeks, I don't expect a lot of like big Magic news. There's like no big tournaments and stuff like that. So look forward to at least one or two more flashback episodes. And I think the next one is gonna be really really good because it goes into one of my favorite sets of all time and one of my favorite times of Magic of all time it has some of like my, my favorite cards from my favorite decks and things like that so big fan one of the most impactful sets of all time that's going to be the original, orig, original or, that's not even a word original Ravnica so can't wait to, to get into that Ross also a lot of people this weekend came up and said they loved our podcast so just kind of wanted to awesome. give you give you that and there's been some really good response to the flashback episodes too people are like yeah, yeah I like this it like breaks the monotony like it's really cool hearing those kind of those stories because People, um, they identify with it really well. They're like, yeah, you know, like I played during then and I played this deck and like hearing y'all talk about it, it was great. One of my favorite ones was like, dude, I played this deck a lot and you were like talking about how like, you thought it was bad and I was like, yeah, yeah. Deck was awful. And he's like, it was great. I'm like, yeah, it's great. <laughs> you know, like, you're <laughs> well, right. You're, you're stupid. No, no, no. Because like... Please you keep listening say, like, a to our podcast. Just, <laughs> a, lot of, yeah, a lot of times when I say a deck is bad is because I couldn't win with it. Like, you know about my opinion with uh, what's uh, the mono-white deck in, in Legacy, you like, Taxes. Access, yeah, yeah, like. I remember someone paid me, when I was streaming, someone paid me once to do, you know, they were like a uh, deck donation. You know, they are like, here's a bunch of money, play my deck, and I played it, and they were like, play all five rounds, and I just owe five. I'm like, I cannot <laughs> win with this deck, I think it's trash, and then I just get my butt kicked by it all the time. I, I don't get it. There, there's some, I'm missing something here. But, anyway, thanks for listening this week, everybody. We'll see y'all hopefully next week. We're going to try really hard, but have a happy holidays from everybody at MTG Rants.